Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey y'all, it's your girl Jemmy and welcome to my first official episode of Just Jem. I am starting this podcast because I want a way to connect with my internet friends. Like I have so many friends on like Twitter and Instagram that are fans of the show that are now friends. And I just wanted a way to connect with all of my people out there on my own terms. So I knew that a podcast of mine would be unfiltered. It would be very me and now is the time. So here we are, let's start this journey together. I was on reality TV, I love reality TV, and now is my opportunity to have my own podcast where I can just talk all thing reality TV, celebrity gossip, just here it is y'all. Y'all know I have no filter, y'all know I have a lot of opinions, and I'm just gonna give it to y'all, cause let's be real, I usually say what everyone's speaking anyway. I have been a Challenge fan since I was in junior high, and This is the first time I've never actually watched a full season. And that makes me really sad from a fan perspective, but also from a challenger perspective. Like, it's really hard watching a show I love go in a direction that I don't approve of. But I might not be watching the season, but I'm keeping up with it constantly on Twitter, on Instagram. Like, I have all the tea anyway. So I definitely want to talk some challenge today. And I don't know half of these people's name on it. This is my issue. This season, this format had so much opportunity. Like we battle for a new champion. Imagine, you know, Leroy's there, Nani's there. You can insert so many names of so many people you've watched for years that you've wanted to win a challenge. So they fumbled the bag when it came to casting. I think the format of the challenge is great. New challenge champion. Bring in your favorite challenge champions to compete against them. But we just lost all like relevance with this format because of casting. And it's, it's devastating to watch. But I will say there's some like stars emerging and I am a big firm believer in giving people their flowers. And Nuri deserves her flowers. Like she's killing this season. And I always wanted her on the challenge because I loved her on Are You The One? I liked her on X on the Beach. So I am rooting so hard for her. She's sending boys home left and right. I'll be honest with you, if I looked like her, I would be doing Target commercials and making out with Cardi B. I would not be doing challenges, but good for her. Like if I had that face, you couldn't tell me anything. So good for her for like getting down and dirty and really being a competitor. I think out of everyone walking in that final, she's the only one that deserves to win it. Again, I'm not watching the challenge, but I keep up with it. So it's like I'm watching. The rest of them haven't really seen an elimination. I am all about not going into elimination. That's the name of the game. But as a fan, I am supporting Nuri because I think Nuri's has just had an amazing season. Like it's her sophomore season and she's killing it. I think she has a huge potential of being the face of the challenge if the current Miss Gurley uh, makes room for her. So praying that Nuri and Kara come together on season 40 and take on the Vacation Alliance because 
it's time we either get back to the old ways or get to the new ways. I'm tired of the vacation alliance and, and this middle ground that we're sitting in at the moment with the challenge. So I have seen a lot of talk on Twitter comparing what Olivia did to Nerese, similar to what I did to Jenna. A lot of people think like, oh my God, it's so similar. A lot of people think it's so different. I think at the end of the day, I like stood 10 toes down in my decision. Like I did not give a what Jenna thought, where I think Olivia has backpedaled and has not stood 10 toes down. So I think moving forward, anyone like playing this game realizes if you're going to make a dirty move, you have to stick by it. And I think that's where Olivia is getting a lot of backlash is that she cares too much. Like at the end of the day, it's a game. Like someone's got to go home. Sorry, it's you. Like, sorry, it's you. Like you got to vote people in. It's a game. It's a dirty game, Teach. So yeah, I think at the end of the day, the difference is I genuinely didn't care. And Olivia does. Maybe that makes her a better person than me. Who knows? Who cares? But I had no remorse when I said Jenna's name. I sometimes wish, looking back on how all of Dirty 30 played out, and I, if I had would have known, like, if I had a crystal ball and knew there was going to be the redemption challenge so soon, if I had known, again, things that were going to happen in that season with Camilla, you know, blah, blah, blah. I might have went back and put Camilla in against Kayla, but I still love the fact that Jenna and Kayla, Jayla, went against each other. I will never regret seeing the look on their faces when I did that. Here's the thing. I Obviously, I know who wins because I love spoilers, but I, as I'm looking at the cast, like, you, I just feel no connection. And it just sucks because, again, this format could have been so good. So I don't know. I don't think that... I think whoever wins the season, there's going to be backlash, unfortunately, just because people are just so against the setup for the most part. But I, I do think a few of these people deserve to be on 40. I know 40 is a big season. I know a bunch of OGs will be coming back. You know, Word on the Street, Car is going to be there. Laurel's going to be there. That's really exciting. So I think, obviously, Nerys should be the first one from Challenge 39 called I want Olivia there because, you know, drama. I want Michelle there because of drama. And again, I just think the women carry this show so hard. I can't think of one guy from 39 that I just need to see on 40. But there's a few girls that I'm like, they deserve a seat at that, at that challenge 40 table. Narice for sure. Michelle, because I, I love her little grimy play. And, and Olivia. I think Olivia still has some potential in her. I know a lot of people have fallen off the Olivia bandwagon. It's so funny to watch her have such a like fan favorite freshman season and then her sophomore season, she's like in a sophomore slump. So I want to see a little bit more of Olivia. But yeah, the boys, uh, I have no names for you because I don't need to ever see any of them again. So I have some predictions from for Challenge 40. Again, I think that, I think it has potential because again, we're hearing names like Cara and Laurel, even Rachel and Tina, I've heard those names. So we're getting some like OG fan favorites. And then we're going to mix in the Vacation Alliance that is Tori. And I'm even going to throw Anissa into that Vacation Alliance because she now falls there instead of with the OG click because that's just where she falls. And then we're going to have the new girls like Narice and Olivia, for example. I'm just using them not for sure if they're going to be cast. For sure, Narice is going to work with Cara. She's made it very clear she's a Cara fan. So I expect them to work together. I don't know where Olivia's going to fall. I think she has some like follower, like follower tendency. So I could see her following kind of behind Tori in the Vacation Alliance. So I think the new kids are going to be like, the 39 kids are going to be like fresh meat. Like 
there's going to be two different like OG clicks trying to pull them to their side. And I, I don't know where the cards are going to fall, but I think 40 has potential. I think that the heart of the challenge will always be the cast members. You Again, you watch this show to root for people you know and you love. So I think if they cast enough of the right people on 40, who again, like the CTs, the Johnnies, whether you like them or not, like they need a good mix of, of OGs with the new kids. There just has to be like an, an equal balance of casting. In a perfect world, 40 would be, in my opinion, all old school. Like, but it's just not realistic. As much as we want it, it films way too long, y'all. People don't want to go away for three, four months. People have lives. Like, I'm sorry. No one wants to go sleep in a twin bed for that long. So casting is at a turning point. It has a lot of potential for 40. Maybe I'm getting overexcited and, and thinking like this could bring the show back. But, I mean, I'm not going to get my hopes up because production always finds a way to fuck it up in the end. Since we're on, you know, Challenge 39 talk at the moment, the final's about to happen. I noticed that Olivia put out a statement. I don't know which news article it was, so don't quote me. But long story short, she said that she was injured in this last challenge. And that involved a busted implant and a broken rib or two, maybe three. And I'm just like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, and maybe because I'm 35 and like I'm a little wiser than I was years ago, but I know for a fact there are challenges I won't do. And for example, I left All Star 3, obviously, because I had a family emergency. But the challenge after I left was a heights challenge. And I had been telling Darrell the whole time that we were in Panama, like, if it's a heights challenge, I'm not doing it. And here's the deal TJ could call me a loser or a quitter in 17 different languages. I do not care. Like, TJ is not going to affect my self-esteem. Like, I'm not doing shit that I don't want to do. I'm a 35-year-old woman. If I have to go down to the sand for elimination because I didn't want to fall off of a building, I'll meet you there, TJ. So I I just never understood, like, well, if you don't do it, TJ's going to call you a quitter. So and I quit shit I don't want to do. I'm a quitter. I'm not going to do anything I don't want to do. And at 35 years old, I don't want to fall off a building. And I used to be okay with water challenges, but the Olivia thing is just so Siobhan coded. Like, I remember watching Siobhan bust that implant and being like, I would never do that if I had fake boobs. And you know what? I would never do it. So I <laughs> probably never need to get a challenge call again because I'm not doing anything that's not on the ground. And I don't care what TJ or my team members say. Like, I don't care who I'm letting down. I'm keeping all of this intact. I love the fact that I can finally get all of my challenge shit off without production being like, let's, let's reel that one back in. Take that one out. We don't need to know that. Yeah, I mean, at this point, at this day, like, would I maybe do an all-stars again? Absolutely never say never. But there's a huge chance that I'll never do a challenge again. And that's my own decision. So I now have the space and the freedom that I can say whatever the fuck I want. Because I don't care if they call me or not. And that's so liberating. Especially when the challenge in MTV has played such a huge part in my life. And I want to say this. I'll just say it. We've all talked about it. And like, I was obviously in an abusive relationship when I was younger. So it's something I understand. But like me and Nani have had numerous conversations. Many people know Nani was also in an abusive relationship when she was younger. And we've had numerous con conversations over the years. 
about how our relationship with MTV and with the challenge is almost abusive to a certain point. And that's just reality TV. Like it is what you sign up for. And I'm very aware of that. So that's like not bashing MTV or production at any point. It's literally just what reality TV is. But you're in this like tug of war almost of, okay, I did this season. Am I going to do the next season? It's just like, okay, I'm not going to do it anymore. And you take some time off and then you come back and you're right back into it. So it feels very liberating to finally be like, I think I'm done. Like I, as dumb as it sounds, y'all, I have a dog. Like I can't leave my dog for that long. Like kudos for parents that leave their children. I will never judge because go get that check, get that bread. But I can't even leave my dog for that long. So I can imagine competing with a child. And I know that it's for a lot of money and people do it for their family. And I respect that. But I'm just somewhere in my life where I don't have to do that. But again, never say never. Because if I get the right all-star call and the right people are there, you know, it's Veronica and Marie and Leroy and, you know, some of my favorite people, then absolutely I might go. But I don't have to go. And that's really freaking nice. So obviously when I started, I did my first challenge in 2012. I was 24 years old. I was a a child who had no like cares in the world, no responsibilities. Didn't didn't have a second thought about things we were doing. But when I started the challenge, it was fun, y'all. It literally was like adult summer camp to a certain extent. And I still say to this day, Rivals 2 was the most fun I've ever had on a challenge. Because everyone was there literally to party. And then we would go to a challenge on the days that they would make us. But every day CT was making sangria. You know, we were like, DM would be out at the pool at 10 a.m. Being like, everyone come tan, come party. Like Rivals 2 was just one of the most fun experiences I've ever had. So I'm very thankful that I got in for a better lack of term when the challenge was still fun. Because of, I got a lot of good memories. And, and obviously, I was there when it started changing. Because I think when I came back into Dirty 30, Vendetta's Final Reckoning is when the it started changing. And it goes in a different direction. And that's just part of life. And I know a lot of it is just like reality TV is more responsible now than it was years ago. And that's boring. But it is what it is. But no, I'm very thankful that I got in at the challenge where you're like, yeah, we were there to win money. But people are just there to have fun. And those memories I will be forever thankful for, especially some of the memories I have with DM and with Knight. You just can't take that away, but it makes it hard to, to go on now because it's not the same. And I'm not the same person. I'm now a 35-year-old woman. I'm not the same. And that's okay. You're allowed to outgrow things. But outgrowing the challenge has been, and, I, and this is for everyone, it's hard. Like It's not talked about enough. And I will give Sarah Rice her flowers. She always says like, with reality TV should come a therapist like production companies like network should provide therapy to their their cast members and that's very true about the challenge I mean we could do a whole episode y'all one day we can literally dive into my thoughts on what happened with Camilla and her mental health in relation to the child how many challenges she did without a break I mean, we can even put Cara in there. I don't think Cara's mental health is the same as Camilla's, but I think Cara stayed around so long, she almost became a villain to people that had loved her. I would love to like deep dive into comparing Cara Maria and Taylor Swift. Like that's something we could do because I've seen people love and hate both of them so quickly. And then so I'm just like, I don't even, and I've been guilty of it. There's moments I've hated Cara and then there's like, now I miss Cara. I want her back. So 
it's just, it's a lot of responsibility being on reality TV that people don't realize. And the more you spend on it, the more like you really need to check in with your, with your, whether it's your therapist, your pastor, your best friend, whoever, you know, brings you back to Jesus, so to speak, because it is a whirlwind. Like it is not all fun and games, but I will say in the beginning, it was a lot of fun and it, it was like memories to be made, but that's for a different episode at a later date, y'all. Okay, let's see. What TV shows did I watch this week? Obviously, all of us are watching Vanderpump Rules. And y'all, I have some thoughts on Pump Rules. And I'm just going to get right into it. I am, I've always, always had a thing against Lauren from Utah. I've always seen right through Lala. Give me Lala, girl. Don't give it. Don't give it to me. Do not give it to me, Lala. I don't want it. So I have some things to say about Lala. I would need her to come to the to the front of the congregation for this conversation. <laughs> Lala is a hater friend. If you have a friend that reminds you of Lala, they are not your friend. So at this point, there has been two episodes of Vanderpump Rules. And in both episodes, Lala has just pissed me off because the jealousy that she's feeling toward Ariana is seething through. From calling Raquel to then telling Ariana she should just move out of the house. Like, no, Ariana owns that house. Unlike you, Lala, you were shacking up with your man, so you had to go. Ariana does not have to go. Her signature is on that D. And here's the issue with Lala. She's so upset and so angry that we are not, that we didn't show her the grace that we're showing Ariana. First and foremost, two different situations. One is karma and one is trauma. Like what happened to Lala, unfortunately, it is devastating because now a child is involved. But baby girl, when you lay down with a married man, you're like it's like when you lay down with a dog, you get fleas. Like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It happened to you because you did it to someone. What happened to Ariana? Like we've been part of this relationship for 10 years. We've seen her and Tom grow together. We have been there, you know, champion them. So it's just, it's it's apples and oranges. And Lala, unfortunately, I don't think can see that. And it's pissing me off as a viewer, honestly. Like, because Lala, you still made money off of Ariana's situation. Because I promise y'all, if I'm sitting at that table on episode one, and Lala tells me that her, of all people, have reached out to Raquel, like, you fucked her man when they were together. You, of all people, should not be reaching out to this girl. She does not even like you. So you thinking you're going to come in and be her, like, big sister mentor is kind of mental. I promise you, if I was Ariana in that moment and, and Lala told me that, I would have taken off my microphone and I would have told production, I'm not filming with her for the rest of the season. She's made enough money off of me. She's not getting any more of my attention. So yeah, I am just very angry at Lala of Vanderbilt Rules. And I will say my favorite person so far this season is Allie. Like, I want Allie on the podcast. I want her to come read my birth chart. Like, Allie, we're coming for you. I think you're the cutest little thing ever. I usually don't like nice girls because I see through them. But Allie is genuine. Like, you cannot convince me that Allie is not, like, as sweet as she comes off. So I want to be friends with Allie. And I never thought I would say that because I wasn't sure about her last season, but she's won me over in two episodes. Okay, y'all, we can't talk Vanderpump rules without, obviously, 
talking about the Toms. I hate them both equally. My whole, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest. I'm not going to deny that I used to like Sandoval. I've always had a soft spot for Sandoval. I've always thought Schwartz was a fucking idiot. Like, I don't like, like, men, like, men that act like children. And Schwartz has always been a man child. So my thoughts on the Toms right now are free Anne, free Anne, that poor assistant. But word on the street is she's now Ariana's assistant. If she posted in a little cheerleading outfit and it said, Team Ariana, yes, Anne, if you switch sides like that, hell yeah. And we know Ariana's paying her more and treating her better. So first and foremost, Anne is free, thank God. Sandoval's birthday party was lame. If Billy Lee is the most popular person at your party, shut it down. Shut it down. We'll celebrate next year because that party was embarrassing. And Schwartz, I just, I have nothing to say about Schwartz. Like, he is such a loser. And if you, it, and I'm going to be very honest. I'm speaking very, very honest right now. If you have a crush on Tom Schwartz, you need a therapist. You really, I don't care. Like, you really need help because that man is a loser. Like, I'm sorry. And then y'all probably like, why does she hate Swartz more than Sandoval? I just think he is a loser. Like, he probably has not washed his underwear in two months. I don't like that man. And you know the rule? Bravo has told us, stay away from men named Tom. Not just on Vanderbilt rules. If you watch Bravo, you know men named Tom are, are bad news. And if anyone's listening to this and you have a good Tom in your life, please share the story. Because I don't know a single, a, I don't know one single man named Tom that I like. I really don't. For like $100, I can't tell you a Tom I like. Tommy Hilfiger, well, they're closed, but I don't know a Tom that I like. Y'all, we're just going to say on Vanderpump Rules, like, I'm obsessed with Bravo. So, like, I have so many thoughts. And now I have some somebody to talk to my thoughts about you, my podcast friends. So let's talk Sheena. I'm calling it now. Sheena and Brock will be divorced within a year. I do not see Sheena and Brock staying together, y'all. And don't kill me, but I don't feel bad for Sheena because I'm just giving out therapy advice today. I'm just in a mood to give out advice. And I don't think you should have a baby with a man who's not taking care of his previous children. That's just probably a rule of thumb that we should all follow as, as women. And I think, unfortunately, having that baby, having Summer Moon, who is the cutest little kid I've ever seen in my life. Like, Summer Moon is adorable. She is her mother's child. You can say a lot about Sheena, but that's a cute. Sheena's always been adorable to me, and Summer Moon is her twin. But I think Summer Moon, unfortunately, changed their relationship. And I'm starting to see the cracks. that We, we all knew they were there, but we're starting to see the cracks with Sheena and Brock. So... I don't see that relationship lasting. And unfortunately, Sheena falls in the same category as Lala for me. I don't really vibe with her. She's not my girly. So I'll enjoy watching it. But you probably won't get a lot of sympathy from me. But speaking of sympathy, Katie, I ride or die for Katie. I've always liked Katie. I think Katie's only problem was the man she married. And now that she's free of the Tom, like, that girl is living her best life. I love her haircut. I love her. I, I want Katie to just full throttle in, in her lesbian phase because it's hot. Like, Katie, I understand you're bisexual and you like to dibble and dabble, but I want you to be a full-blown lesbian because I am into it. And I just think that Katie's about to live her best life. And to see a woman in her mid-30s just, like, knowing that the best is, 
is coming makes me really happy. And I know a lot of y'all don't like Katie and that's okay. But if you are ever, on, again, if you're on Tom Schwartz's side over Katie, just turn this podcast off and call a therapist. It is time. Like, just, just, it's time. I can recommend someone if you need me. Because Katie never was the problem. Katie's only problem was, was marrying that man. Because if he would have thrown that soda on me years ago, I would have been in jail. Where was that, in Mexico? I would still be in jail. So yeah, I guess my advice is, you know, since I feel free to give advice today, my advice is also like, I don't know, don't marry a man that throws a soda on you. But no, Katie, I love you. I don't think that your little sandwich shop with Ariana is ever opening, but I still love you. I still support you. Even when you wear terrible outfits, Katie, I love you. hop on another train let's hop on to traders let's talk the last episode of traders i hate i hate that peter pilot and his pals have so much power in this game and honestly i'm pissed off at production because i really think the girlies plus ct were about to get peter up out of this house and production wanted to do a super twist to save peter I'm irritated, guys. I'm irritated at production because I think those Survivor girlies, Sandra, she came to play. And full disclosure, I'm not the biggest Survivor fan. But again, I've heard nothing of good things about Sandra's gameplay. And she turned it on in this past episode. So I am very, very annoyed with Trader Production. This is the first time I've like wanted to get in a fight with them because I don't really like this episode. I wanted Peter Pilot up out of there. And I think we need to stop casting Bachelors. On traders, like let's bring in some bachelorettes. I'm over the bachelors. Ari pissed me off last season. Peter Pilot's pissing me off this season. These men had no moral compass when it came to the women they were dating. Like I don't have to remind y'all what Ari did. I don't have to remind you what Peter Peter Pilot did. They have no moral compass when it comes to women they are involved with, but they have a moral compass when it comes to I don't know a show called Traders. It makes no sense to me. I am very confused of why Peter thinks it was a good idea not to become a traitor. He wants to stay a faithful. And y'all know Trishelle is my girl. And Trishelle will be coming on this podcast very soon to talk traitors. But I gotta, I'm not happy with my girl right now. I don't like the fact she's playing the game with those men. I don't like the fact that those men aren't listening to her. And I'm a little confused why she was begging everyone to save her the other day. I was like, Trishelle, stop begging. You look crazy. Be quiet. And I understand her getting upset with CT for not saving her. I, I support that completely. I understand where she was coming from. But Sis was begging everyone to save her. It was bizarre behavior. And I, like I said, I loved her shell, but I'm going to hold her accountable. And I did not really vibe with her gameplay this episode. Mainly because she's playing the, the game with the men I don't like. But I think the girls are going to come. I know for a fact, actually, that they would have got Peter out of the house. He would have been banished at that round table. And let me tell you how I would play this game. If I was a faithful, even if I knew someone was a traitor, like I think Sandra knows Barbity's a traitor. But she also knows she has to get rid of some faithfuls, too. Like, at the end of the day, you, it's, it's a game where everyone has to go. You just have to figure out the pecking order. So Sandra's playing the game now how I would play. So I'm excited to see how this plays out. But this was my least favorite episode of Traders thus far because I think production 
pulled a Hail, Hail Mary to save Peter. I think his ass was going to be up and out of that castle if those women, if that woman alliance plus CT had anything to do with it. And also, like, Phaedra is one of my favorite reality TV stars ever. I'm a huge Sheree fan. Like, so just seeing the, the Atlanta Housewives come back and do so well on TV, like, I'm living for Phaedra. Like, I want her to win it, take it all. Like, I love that people are getting to see Phaedra who have never watched Housewives. And speaking of that, I'm doing a Real, uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta rewatch. And I am so glad that Candy is not coming back next season. This clears up so much payroll. Portia will be back. Kenya, hopefully we get Phaedra back. I know she's not married for the medicine, but I want Phaedra back on Housewives. So if you don't watch Real Housewives of Atlanta, but you watch Traders, you need to go back and see like OG Phaedra because she will forever be that girl. Yeah. And also like I see why Trishelle is mad at CT, but also CT plays such a sneaky game. Like watching CT plays Traders is so interesting to me because I've played so many challenges with CT. I know his every move. I know what CT is going to do almost before he does it. So like the way that CT is playing Traders is exactly the way he plays the challenge. And I love CT and Phaedra. Like, put them on Amazing Race. I love their, their dynamic. That like, But CT can't be trusted. Like, I could see him when it's time. He will cross Phaedra. And I think CT knows that Phaedra is a traitor. And that's even adding more fuel to his let's be best friend fire. So let me just say, I know all you girlies out there. Hell and the gays. Y'all think that CT is just like the best thing ever. That man knows what he's doing. He's not playing a grimy game, you think. But trust me, that man is always scheming and he's playing a grimy game. And I'm very curious to see how it ends. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't know spoilers. This is the one show that I'm not spoiling. So I have no idea what's going to happen. That's why I'm waiting to have Trishelle on the pod later in the season. Because I don't want her to come on yet. I want to wait till we have everything out on the table to talk about. Okay, y'all. Kelly's going to join us. And we're going to do a little AMA. We have some questions that y'all have sent over. So let's chat, Kelly. Hey, Jemmy. This was one of the most asked questions. It's kind of a silly one, but does CT smell bad? <laughs> Okay, on Rivals 2, I stand by CT's the reason that our pool got closed down. And, like, you need a pool in, in Thailand, but Stinky CT got into the damn pool with, like, right after we got done doing a challenge, fully in his challenge clothes and shoes, and the chlorine wasn't strong enough for the way CT smelled that day. Does CT stink every day? No, but y'all, he's a big dude and big men stink. So, yes, I definitely. Smelled CT a few times in Colombia and Thailand, and it's not always good, friends. It's not always good. I guess when you have a face like that and a body like that, you got to have some downfalls. Which castmate would you trust the least on the challenges that you've been a part of? Here's the thing, y'all. It all depends on the game and the format of who you can and cannot trust. It really all depends. Like, I play the games with some people that I would never, like, it all depends. Like, for example, on Vendettas, Devin and I were very close. And hell, even me and Zach, like, I had such a strong alliance with Zach and Devin on Vendettas. I would never play the game on their side ever again. 
So it really all depends. I guess the, the one thing I can say, the only person I would ever fully trust on a challenge is Veronica. Like good, bad, happy, or sad. I know that I would never betray Veronica and I know Veronica would never betray me. And that's all I can even say because even as close as me and Marie are, Marie's like my sister in real life. And her and I were on very opposite sides and on vendettas, for example. So as much as I love some people in real life, I've not fully played the game with them. And I think Veronica is the only person I would ever ten toes down. And yes, actually, yes, too. And I was thinking this last night when I was watching Traders, like, I love Trishel, but Trishel trusting CT is crazy to me because I would never trust a man on the ch- from the challenge on Traders, except, yes, he's the only man I would trust, period, from the challenge. So, yeah, so when I'm cast on Traders manifesting that, I don't care which man I'm cast with from the challenge. Like, we can play the game together, but I'll never fully trust them because if I learned one thing, these men from the challenge cannot be trusted, with the exception of yes. Is it hard for you to put friendships to the side when it comes to the challenge? Or is that something that you've been able to do over the years? It's not hard for me to put friendships aside on the challenge because it is a game. And CT said that last night on Traders. Like, it's a game. Like, on Vendettas, for example, and I keep coming back to this because, like, me and Marie are, like, best friends. And in Vendettas, we were at each other's throat. Like, I was happy she won that elimination and I was happy she lost. And that's one of my best friends. So, yeah, I think it's very easy for me to be, like, you're my friend, but this is a game. I think Veronica's the only person where those lines would be very, very blurred. So if something ever happened where, like, I had to betray Veronica is the only way that I could prosper. I mean, still, I'd be like, V, you won before. It's my turn. Like, let little sis step up. But Veronica's the one person, like, where my moral compass is completely intact. The rest of those people, yes, you're friends, but you're also co-workers. And this is a job, baby. So who's the most real on the show for better or for worse? There's a lot of real people on this show, in all honesty. Like Cam and Leroy, ten toes down, are real people. Marie, at her best and her worst, is a real person. Like, there's so many, in all seriousness, I've never really played the game with Ashley Mitchell, but I think she's a, you know, a real person. Shane is the realest person, because Shane is the one person that is probably banned for what he did off the show, and he stood ten toes down in his truth. Shane never apologized. Shane said a lot of things that were true, but he probably shouldn't have said it. And we'll we'll get into that. We'll have Shane on soon and we'll really dive into why we haven't seen Shane on All Stars, why Shane's not probably ever coming back. But Shane's the realest one because to, to stand 10 toes down and be like, I said it, I meant it, I'm not apologizing. It is what it is. So Shane, he wins that award. Now, how do you feel about how MTV handled the passing of DM and Knight? And would you change how it was handled? Is there anything you wish they did more of, less of? I think that the way that MTV handled the passing of DM and Knight, they did the best they could at that time. Like, so essentially we filmed Exodus 2 in like August of 2014. Dia passes away early November, Knight passes away late November. So we had done filming, but the season hadn't aired yet. And MTV called me, or production, you know, BMP, MTV, they called both me and CT. And they basically were like, we're on the fence about airing this season. How do you feel about, how do y'all feel about us airing this season? And me and CT both were like, Knight and Dion would want this season to be aired. So I think that they did the best with what they could. There's sometimes like I wish that they would like honor them more in certain ways. 
But it was just, that was a lot, y'all. Like losing two cast members of that like caliber of personality, two weeks within each other, two very different ways. Like, unfortunately, we knew DM was passing and it's hard watching someone die. But then you have Knight who passed so unexpectedly. I think in all honesty, they did the best they could. And I always have respect for them for calling me and CT and asking us. Um, and I think we made the right decision. I think that it's what they both would have wanted. So one of your most iconic moments on the challenge, I think, is the ketchup fight. Okay. <laughs> Why do you hate ketchup so much? I, I, to be honest with you, the ketchup fight on Rivals 2, now looking back on it years later and obviously, like, night passing, like, it's such a good memory and moment to have. <laughs> and, like, whenever someone, like, shares that scene, like, it makes me happy. It doesn't, like, piss me off. It doesn't annoy me. Ketchup's just always been a phobia, y'all, from, like, when I was little and my mom was like trying to get me to try food, I never wanted to try it. When she was pregnant, she couldn't eat ketchup, even though she's a ketchup fanatic, it would make her sick. So I don't know. I, I really think it's some past life stuff. I love all things tomato, all things red sauce. Something about the smell of ketchup triggers me. And I really think I should like dive into like doing a, like a past life, like exercise with a, an expert to see like what the fuck happened with me and ketchup. This one's interesting. How do you think a season of the real world would look in 2024? Do you think the real world would be successful in today's like reality TV world? I think it's worth trying. I think it's worth bringing the real world back. It's been enough time. I think a lot of it, though, is going to be casting. You can't cast Instagram models. You're going to like casting. Sorry, you're going to have to do a little work and cast real people. But I still think there are so many stories to be told. Um, I think that there are still places for that show to go. So I I think we bring back real world and road roles. Like, I think both shows really could be successful if cast correctly. Because there's still authentic people out there. Like, there's still people who just want to go live their lives and meet people and discover new things. So I I don't understand why it hasn't been brought back in some capacity. And I like the Netflix show 20-something that aired a few years ago that was like the, the, the real-world knockoff, basically. I like that show. So I really wish that MTV Paramount, someone would just take the chance and put seven strangers in a house again. How was it filming X on the Peak versus The Challenge? X on the Peak was so easy to film, y'all. Like, X on the Peak, we literally just, like, Woke up, hung out in the house, filmed a few scenes. My only issue with X on the Peak is they would wake us up. Like, we would have nothing to do that day, and they would wake us up at 7 o'clock. And then they would get mad at me because I would keep my pajamas or my sweatpants or my robe on. And they'd be like, go put your makeup on and get dressed. I'm like, I'm not going to go put makeup on and, like, an outfit to sit at the on the couch and look at these idiots. Like, I'm not doing that. So I don't really think a dating show was for me. There's a whole reason I did X on the Peak. It wasn't to meet someone. It was like, I had a whole plan to why I did X on the Peak. We'll have to talk about that one day because it involved, like, I wanted to get Marlon back on the challenge so badly that I was willing to do X on the Peak. And it blows my mind that even after his X on the Peak performance, he killed that season. He was one of the stars and he still hasn't got a challenge call. Like, I'm very salty about how production has done Marlon because he is one of the most dynamic characters we've ever seen on Real World. He killed his first season of The Challenge. He acted a complete fool on X on the Peak. And that's genuinely how he is. He wasn't acting. He genuinely was that insane in the best way. 
So like justice for Marlon, I'll never understand. Like I need someone from production just to look me in the eye and tell me why they never cast that man again. Where to go out New Orleans for a birthday weekend? What are some hidden gems you'd recommend? Where to go out in New Orleans on a birthday weekend? Frenchman Street is better than bourbon. I know a lot of people come here and go straight to bourbon. Spend some time on Frenchman Street. You just bop around and listen to live music. Y'all, I don't go out a lot, though. Like, I am such a homebody. Like, I think people think I'm way more cool than I am. Like, I really don't go out that much. But the beautiful thing about New Orleans is you don't need a plan. Like, you can just wander the streets and, and find new bars and new arch. Like, like that's the most beautiful thing about New Orleans is you can really just wander around the French Quarter and have the best time of your life. And when I go downtown, I never have a plan. Like, obviously, if you need some brunch recommendations, slide in my DMs. I can tell you where to book brunch. But as far as New Orleans, I don't think it's a, a trip you should overplan. It's like one of those places and very few places are like this. You just let the energy and the vibes take you where you want to go. Like this city's very magical if you embrace it. And a lot of people just don't leave Bourbon Street. Venture off and left, right, up and down, and you'll find like amazing things. What's your favorite season of the challenge you were on in one season you wish you were on? Oh, okay. I like this question. My favorite season is Rivals 2 because again, Rivals 2 was just so much fun, y'all. Like I've never had that much fun on a challenge. But I always say Dirty 30 special to me because it brought me and Veronica together. Like, me and Veronica both always say we were on Dirty 30 to meet. So I have a special place in Dirty 30 because I came back after never thinking I was coming back. It was a horrible season to film. And, like, we'll have to talk to my therapist about that one day. But it, it's special to me for different reasons. So I, it's between Dirty 30 and Rivals. Vendettas also I loved because I did well and no one was expecting me to do well. And one season I wish I had been on, I wish I had done the challenge earlier. Like, I wish I could have been on, like, Ruins or, like, back in the day, like, the Katie and Coral era. Like, I wish I had done a challenge with Coral. So none of the new seasons appeal to me. Like, it would have been fun if Yes and I had done Ride or Dice because we were considering it. But I genuinely wish I would, like, had done an OG challenge with, like, Coral and the Mean Girls and and Beth. Like, I want to be there, like in the part of the of the era that I was a fan of. So I want to go back in time and film with them. Personally, I think this is the perfect question to end on. What's the most important lesson you've taken from your reality TV career? The most important lesson I've taken from my reality TV career is people are going to love you. People are going to hate you. And it really has nothing to do with you. Like I learned and reality TV helped me, helped me realize this is like, I can do everything right and people are still going to hate me. I've seen the prettiest girls get called ugly. I've seen the nicest girls get called a bitch. Like there's nothing I can do to make people like me. And I genuinely don't give a fuck if people like me or not because I like me. And that's enough, baby. Like that is enough. And I think I've learned the hardest thing for me to to deal with on reality TV is like, for example, I'm just going to use Johnny. Like Johnny can make a joke on Twitter and it's funny. I could make the same joke and I'm a bitch. Same in our interviews and confessionals or same like I do something and I'm a terrible person, but a man does it and it's hilarious and it's funny. So that's been the hardest thing is like dealing with the double standards that are how they treat men and how they treat women. But that's life, right? Like, unfortunately, that's just not reality TV. We deal that every day as women. And that's been hard. Like I've, I've, I've dealt with that and struggled with that. 
But at the end of the day, who gives a shit? Like, it, it's so simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Like, like yourself, and, and you'll get a lot further in life because these opinions of other people, and not even your family members, y'all. Like, at the end of the day, it has to be you. You're going to wake up every day alone. You're going to die alone, and you're going to come across some great people in between. But, like, you got to make yourself happy. And if you can go to bed every night knowing you're happy, which I do, then who cares what people on Twitter say? Thank you all for tuning in to our first episode. And I just want to dedicate this episode to my grandma. She passed this morning. She transitioned. She lived a great life, 83 years old. But y'all just keep my mom. I know a lot of you love my mom. So keep her in your thoughts and prayers as she navigates a new world without a mom. And yeah, so I'm sorry I didn't plan to get emotional, but we did not know where this day was going to take us. So yeah, shout out my grandmother. She lived a beautiful life. She was four foot nine, 90 pounds my whole life and a bitch in the best way. So shout out my grandmother. I think that I get a lot of who I am from her. So yeah, this is for her. And please, please subscribe, rate this podcast. We'll be back next week. We're going to have some fabulous guests in the next few weeks. I'm so happy to be on this journey with y'all. So yeah, subscribe, share, rate, do all the things you're supposed to do. I love y'all. Thank y'all. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.